0: Welcome to the Glass Half Empty podcast on the big lead. I'm Ryan Glasspiegel. We're joined by Brandon Walker, who has ascended towards stardom at Barstool. He's been there for less than a year. So, last April, you were making videos for the offshore book, My Bookie, and totally unbeknownst to you, Dave Portnoy, who's the Barstool founder, starts a one man war against them over a tweet that he didn't like and um what how what, what what happens next
1: so i had been hosting a show called my bookie live every day talking about that day's picks a, a daily gambling show and it had been going to an audience of about 50 people 75 people we were building and building and it had been about 6 weeks and i was just uh, you know i was working on it but dave and my bookie got uh, sideways with each other and dave kind of said something on twitter and you know, Dave's got a legion of fans, and those fans responded in kind. And when I went live that day on my bookie Live, his beef became pointed at me. And stoolies and Barstool fans showed up in mass. I was used to seeing 75 people on the stream, and I looked up and there were 1,200. And they were they were angry. <laughs> they were their their fangs were out. They were coming for my neck. But I just I just rolled with it. I just I just stood in the ring and I took some punches. I threw some punches, but I showed Dave Portnoy I had a strong chin. I had I could stand in the ring and I could take it. And that's what Dave Portnoy is looking for. And so this was April 9th, 2019. I had a I had my girls ten year old softball game that night. So I, I, I go through this crazy thirty minute stream. I go out and I do the softball game and I'm just thinking about that. And the next day I wake up and Dave Portnoy blogs. I like the cut of this guy. I'm. I want to hire him. And he DMs me on Twitter and says, "I want to hire you." I said, "Okay, what do you have in mind?" He called me about 10 minutes later and he said, uh, "He said I want to hire you." I said, "Well, hire me then." And he did. He made the uh, numerical offer. He made the money offer, and I accepted. And I asked him. I said, "Dave, I would like to." A, a good friend got me this opportunity at my bookie, and I do not want to uh, hurt this guy's my good friend's position. I do not want to. Um, put him out i do not want to make him look bad to my bookie so give me one day to end that to talk to him and end that working relationship with my bookie and then i'll start working for you tomorrow and he said no we need the we need the jolt we need the shock here we need we need it so it's yes or no right now and i said yes and that's history i was now working for barstool you you knew who he was and what Barstool was before this, right? I did. I was a, I was a frequent listener of Pardon My Take. I was a big fan of Dan Katz and uh, PFT. And I knew of Dave Portnoy. I, I, I would catch things on Twitter. I mean, Barstool's got a great social media machine that even if you're not following, you're going to see Barstool stuff come across your timeline. And I, I followed his pizza reviews, and I followed a lot of the things he did. I, I wouldn't have called myself a stoolie. I was just a... I know what good content is, and Dave Portnoy, and especially Big Cat, really provided that a lot. And I, I, I did listen to PMT a lot.
0: And so let, let's rewind a bit, because at this point you're, you're 40 years old. You're what? You're making videos that look. You're getting paid for them, but they are kind of self-contained. How? What, what jobs did you have throughout your 30s? Like I don't want to go I, all the way back to
1: college. I but. came up the hard way. Uh, I started as as sports journalism. I started as a sports editor on March 1st, 2004. Uh I was a sports editor of the Daily Times leader in West Point, Mississippi. I was population 8,000, newspaper circulation 2,000. I covered high school sports and junior high softball, and I went out to the little league parks and took pictures of everybody's kids, and I put that in the newspaper. So I worked in newspapers as a sports writer for about 10 years bumping my way up each notch. I I went to Louisiana. I did some work in New Orleans. I went to Fort Walton Beach as the sports editor in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. So I worked my way up. Meridian, Mississippi, um, Virginia, Atlanta, Georgia. I thought my big break. Sorry, there's a stoolie that's yelling at me. So um, I thought my big break was in... Yeah, hey, okay, thank you. I thought my big break was in 2000 sixteen when I caught on with a new company called SEC Country in Atlanta, which did uh, yeah, you knew of I know that. that. It's Cox cover- Media, Cox Group. Like Media.
0: You, you figure it's like backed by a major conglomerate? It had conglomerate 80 million of, dollar
1: like- seed money, and it was started, and you thought it was going to be a big deal. And I was on the ground floor of that, and I worked for SEC Country for about two years. And May 23rd, 2018, Cox decided. To pull the plug to, to get out of that business and that left me without a job. I moved back to Mississippi to reevaluate and see where I was. I was thirty nine years old with four kids. Uh, I did not have a steady paycheck coming in, but I had a couple of podcasts on the side. I, I created a Mississippi State podcast called More Cowbell that put you know fifteen hundred dollars a month in my pocket and, and on and on and on. I just I just pieced together and my wife who's a teacher a Spanish professor in college makes a good living so mm-hmm. we weren't at rock bottom but we were We were looking around to see what was going to take me to the next level. Is the next level, at 39 years old, is the next level even attainable anymore? Yes, it was.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, I do want to go back to the SEC country stuff because I was, like, on a panel at the sports journalism school at University of Maryland. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions was, where are the jobs? And I pointed to SEC country and Land of Ten and yeah. whatever their Big 12 vlog was called. So the, um, the
1: overarching... Uh, blog was called Diehards, and then we had uh, we had Land of Ten covering the Big Ten and SEC country covering the SEC, and we hadn't quite got to the Big Twelve when we went out of business.
0: Yeah, and but I was like, I was like, go there, like the, they're growing, they've got, they seem to understand the internet, they are regionalized, and I think that sports coverage is trending more regional yeah. after probably twenty years of ESPN pushing it more national, and so I was like, go there, and then two months later they just
1: pulled the plug like no warning or anything and it was like i could not believe it right up to the very end we were we were hiring right up to the very end we we were hiring and growing and the people that are in charge in in our building had were under the impression that we had five years and and we had a five-year growth plan and things were going the right direction but you know the people in your building are not always the top of the totem pole yeah and people in another taller building said we're going to shut that well, building it's down.
0: A, I mean, you, you look at it and you see the cable subscribers going down. Yeah. And if you're a cable company and you don't know what the bottom of that is, that's when they have to like really kind of fortify their core. So I guess looking back on it, I can understand it. But the day it happened, I it still astonished. don't understand
1: it. I got to be honest. I'm working at Barstool now. I have I have landed on my feet better than I ever could have imagined. I, I my life is is good. But I think the people that shut down SEC country that day in March of 18, and that's the big wigs at Cox Corporate, are fucking idiots. Okay. Uh, yeah, can yeah, I no, not do that? I, no, you could do that. That's okay. fine. That's, They're idiots. Yeah. I, I really thought they had something, and they gave it up. The, the, yeah, they were short sighted.
0: their social feeds, like, because I do think it was a viable idea. I agree with you there. Um, but like, so we, we know how you got to bars two in a day. But it's now 10 months later, and you're literally at the Super Bowl with them. You've traveled like across the country to different colleges. Today, you had like, legendary um, Buffer on your set and Chad Ochocinco. Like, just how surreal is it that
1: you've had just this dramatic shift? i got to be honest. The reason you got into this business, the same reason I got into this business, you started as a sports fan. You love sports. And you, you love the, the characters, the athletes and all that. So even now, when I'm walking down the street and somebody says, Hey Brandon Walker, can I take a picture with you? Yeah, whatever. I mean that's that's cool and all that. But sitting there and watching Chad Ochocinco talk and watching Adam Thielen, who we had previously, just getting able to being able to be this close to, to athletes and sports is what I got in this business for in the first place. But to be actually be recognized and to actually put out content that people find funny and appealing and connecting with people, you don't get that in newspapers anymore. You know, know, I started this career writing sports for newspapers. There's no connection with newspapers and audience. Barstool is a $450 million property right now because of its connection to audience that's it if you boil, boil it down you can talk about the controversy You can talk about portnoy big cat connection to audience is why barstool is big and being a part of that being somebody who a fan on the street wants to come up and say hey man and they just feel like they're your friend already that's that's surreal that's crazy
0: yeah no i could totally understand that and today we're taping in miami
1: on a friday this is going to air sometime next week but I, just, I don't want you to miss any appointments today's thursday Oh, <laughs> i don't want to i want to make sure you don't go to a party tonight thinking it's going to be there and it's not there that
0: that would be a disaster although it might be a good plug but, i did um, enjoy
1: when dwight true thought it was friday all day <laughs> and it was actually thursday oh man and that, jim uh, jim halpert pranked him all day about it <laughs> um so yeah and you had uh interaction
0: on the street where a kid asked for your picture
1: when mark cuban was within how many feet of you I was walking out of Tequila Chica's, which is the restaurant we're doing radio at, and I was going to Hagen to get my daily ice cream. And I was walking, and right beside me, about 15 feet away, was uh, Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, you know, media maven, you know, everything, he, yeah. a mogul. Yeah. That's who he is. That's what he is. And Mark Cuban is walking one way, I'm walking the other, and I hear a kid get out of a car and say, hey, can I get, get a picture with you? I'll say, okay, well, I'll keep walking. And he says, Brandon Walker, can I get a picture with you? I turn around, and the kid is literally standing beside Mark Cuban, looking dead in my face, saying, can I get a picture with you? And I said, yeah, sure, come on. And I was, I was incredulous. I just do you not know what's happening here? And so he comes, he takes a picture, and then he gets on it. He's happy. Did, did Mark Cuban, like, notice Mark Cuban laughed at it, yeah. It? He thought it was really funny. And then I, <laughs> Did I put he on, know who you were? I don't think he did, but I, I I went on Twitter and said, sorry, Mark Cuban, and he liked the tweet, so he, okay. he knows who he I, saw, I am now. Now
0: he knows who you are. Uh, you, you've lived your whole life in the South, and now you're living – up in the New York, New Jersey metro area. What's the thing that is the most surprising change of the culture living up there?
1: I mean, that's a very, very broad question. There, everything's different. Everything's different. The way people react with each other, the way people treat each other, uh, the traffic, the the prices of, of goods, everything. I, I, I sold a, a house in Mississippi for for $130,000 and moved into a smaller house in New Jersey that I I'm renting it. I didn't buy it, but it, it's a $500,000 house, smaller house. It's just it's just cha- changes like that. And and I going every day to work. I've always driven to work and parked in a parking lot and, and enjoyed a 5-minute ride to work and been able to unwind. Well, now I have a 45-minute train ride every day. I've never ridden a train in my life <laughs> until I got to New Jersey. But it's it, it's different, it's challenging but what matters to me is when, when i get in that office and the, and the mic's on or the, the camera's on and then I, I, every day i have an opportunity to be bigger than i was the day before and that's 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 made it worth living in new jersey so
0: with their new radio lineup you're going to be continuing to do the yak every day with dan Katz, but you're also going to be hosting a Pix show what's your goal for that
1: let me first, before I say what my goal is for that, let me say that I am on the yak every day with Dan Katz, Big Cat, who is uh, outside of Dayport, Norway, Barstool's biggest star. And when I got to Barstool, this young—or oh, not young—this this this new this, this grizzled new guy from Mississippi who just had you know a wealth of sports knowledge and this his passion to do it. When I got to New York. Dan Katz looked at me and just something in him said, you know, this guy, this guy's gonna put in the work. This guy is worth putting my time into. And everything, two people are responsible for everything good that's happened to me. Dave Portnoy for hiring me and Big Cat for every day since. Dan Katz is probably the best person I have ever worked with and he will help any young, hungry person. Any hungry person in this business, he will help them and he will make them get better. And I owe everything to Dan Katz. Now, I am starting a show called Pick Central which will be in the noontime hour, and it'll be starring me as the host every day. And Dave Portnoy will be on there. Big Cat to be on there a lot. And then it'll just be a daily gambling show. We were just uh, we just entered a partnership with Penn National Gaming, a huge gaming industry or a huge gaming company in this uh, in this country. And it's going to be bigger. Sports betting is now it's spreading like wildfire as far as being legal across every state. It's going to be huge. It already is huge, and I I just can't. I can't fathom the opportunity I have to every day just get to talk sports and gambling with Dave Portnoy and, and Big Cat.
0: On the college football show, which was every Saturday, you guys went to a number of stadiums and towns. What, yeah. what, um, what town kind of surprised you for its charm and energy and whatnot?
1: I, I expected it to be charming, but Madison, Wisconsin was uh, breathtaking. Uh, I'm a Madison guy. I went to Wisconsin, Mad- so that makes me happy. I, I, I was
0: there. I was standing and watching that show. You guys did a
1: great show. It, and, and you remember, if you were there, you know that it was an early show. So the game mm-hmm. was 11 o'clock Central Time. Yeah, big and, noon. And it's hard to get up for that. But we get out there, and our show starts at 9.30. Well, at 8.30, our area is packed with Wisconsin fans, young Wisconsin fans. And there was a, a moment at the end of the show where we played Jump Around and they said, hit, the, hit it, and it looked like thousands of people just jumping oh, yeah. up and down. It was an incredible. But we went to Clemson, we went to Penn State, we went to Madison, and we went to Army, Navy, and we went to West Virginia. I was pleased with every single one, but Madison was the one that took my breath away.
0: You're you're a big Michigan State, uh, Mississippi there State, not
1: Michigan State,
0: Mississippi State That's right. fan. How do you feel about Mike Leach?
1: I am very pleased with the hiring of Mike Leach. When we decided to move on from Joe Moorhead, we did so after the coaching carousel was kind of already, it had already stopped spinning. It was after the bowl game. We made an unusual choice to fire the coach after the bowl game. That doesn't happen very often. And we waded into the coaching search waters and I didn't see a lot of fish out there that weren't accounted for. My mind never went to Washington State and said we could pull Mike Leach. In the SEC, when you're at a have-not school and a have-not state, let's be honest, that's what Mississippi State is. It's in a it's in the poorest state in the union, and it's sandwiched between LSU and Alabama and Auburn and Georgia. It's it's just it's in the richest neighborhood in in the country. Yeah, one, once every five years, or so, they'll clip someone at home. Absolutely, absolutely. And so it's like, it's not. What's the number it, one in 2014? It, it like
0: it, it's definitely a program that. Look, I think you don't go into really any season with national title expectations, yeah. but you can have a night where you beat a blue blood and feel really good about your team.
1: But I, I think too, to really become a thorn in somebody in Alabama's side, a thorn in LSU's side, you got to think outside the box. And there's no more outside the box higher in this country than Mike Leach, both in a press conference and in a game. Teams are going to be used to one style of play in the SEC, and then they're going to play a Mike Leach team, or, and we have a new uh, defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett, who runs a 335, which is unusual. The teams are going to have to go out of their routine to play Mississippi State. It's already hard to play in Starkville because of the cowbells and the atmosphere. So I like it. I think to succeed at state, you have to be outside the box, and I think this was this hire was in that vein.
0: Yeah, and, and like basically, even if he doesn't succeed in the contemporary, like or I mean, in the like main way you envision success, which is like winning the SEC division or the title or getting to the playoff, it's going to be interesting.
1: It's going to be interesting. We we immediately became uh, water cooler talk. I, right. It's it's very very hard for a Mississippi State to make a loud enough noise to be talked about throughout the country. But I think with Mike Leach, that is the noise we're going to make. Do you do you think
0: like ever kind of consciously about? how valuable you are to Barstool in the sense that they really dominate the Northeast and even the Midwest, but expanding into the Southern region, both with like the college football stuff that you and Casey are doing and with the NASCAR stuff that Dave has been working on, it's just like a gigantic opportunity for new people to associate with the brand.
1: I have absolutely thought that. In fact, a couple days after I got hired, let's be honest, I got hired as a stunt. I got hired as a complete screw you from him to my bookie he planned to hire me let me do whatever for a year and then quietly let me go but he would have won that battle with my bookie what he didn't know was I was gonna bring it I was coming so a couple days after he hired me Dave Portnoy I sent him an email said all right the, the the stunt's over this is what you have you have somebody who's covered SEC football for 10 years. You have somebody who lives and breathes SEC football, who's gonna change your college football coverage and who knows how to get into the Southeast, who knows the the language we speak down here, the football language, you got this. And he started, his wheel started turning and it became, we can really expand into that area. So yeah, I think Barstool into the Southeast, like right now we're in Miami and there's stoolies here, there's Barstool fans, but if we were in Boston the streets would be covered up with Barstool fans. If we were in Minnesota, they'd be covered up. I think in the future, the South is going to be as big of a place for Barstool as as the Northeast, as the Midwest, and I do hope I'm part of that.
0: If, if like, you could work at Barstool and live back in the South, would you want to do it, or do you really value all of the different, like, creative things that could come out of going into their flagship office? <laughs> I don't want to trap you. <laughs> no, I
1: don't want to be trapped. I um, I would love to live in a world where I can achieve what I'm achieving and live in Mississippi around family, around people that I know, uh, living the life that I grew up living. But let's be honest, let's be real. Uh, the opportunity and the, the resources are in New York. So I need to. Uh, I'm peeling that lemon right now, and I'm about to squeeze that. So when yeah. I when I squeeze that dry, then it's time to go back to Mississippi. That makes a lot of sense.
0: What is your favorite sports memory of your
1: wife? Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's really big. Really wide ranging. Watching sports, playing sports. What are we talking about?
0: How about one of each? What right. was your best athletic accomplishment, and then what was your favorite
1: thing that? Oh, you've my best athletic in? accomplishment was definitely winning the 1997 slam dunk contest at West Point High School in West Point, Mississippi. Belated congrats. Thank you very much. It was a big deal for me. I, I did a between-the-legs dunk that people. I'm. Wait, I, was this on a 10-foot hoop? Or yeah, was, it was. Oh, wow. no, I'm so six you, foot five. You got to tell people I'm a big guy. You are. You guy. are. He's a lot bigger than I thought he was. But I'm. I'm also, I need to be taller. But right but I didn't now know I'm, that two, much I'm 260. Back then I was about 190. So big difference. This is 20 years ago. Anyway, that's my biggest athletic accomplishment. Uh, watching, uh, I'm going to throw a couple at you. Um, I was a big Braves fan growing up. And. Uh, so 95. Uh, no, no, actually not. October 92. Okay. Against the Pirates. Uh, Francisco Cabrera comes up, 10 at bats all year. Sid Bream's safe. Barry Bonds has no arm, can't throw him out. That's my favorite Atlanta Braves memory. And my favorite uh, Mississippi State memory is uh, October 2014. I had never in my life seen Mississippi State on top of the college football world. And number three, Mississippi State against number two Auburn. College game days there, CBS Sports is there. Mississippi State beats the piss out of Auburn that day. And we knew number three being number two, we're going to be number one tomorrow. And the next day we were number one team in the country for five weeks. And that doesn't seem like a big deal to anybody. There's Ohio State fans, there's Alabama fans. And well, if it's not a national championship, it's not anything to us. Those five weeks, being on top of the college football world is my favorite memory in sports. Who Who are the like
0: people in sports media that gr- you grew up kind of, whether it was reading or listening to or watching, that kind of made you want to like try to do this
1: as a career? I thought I was going to be Rick Riley. I, I, I thought, I just remember every, I got in on Thursdays or Fridays. Every yeah. Thursday or Friday, getting Sports Illustrated, Looking at on the cover, but then flipping straight to the back page and reading The Life of Riley, his columns. Now, growing up and, and these days, I, I, I look back and I think, well, I'm not sure Rick Riley was as good as I made him out to be in my mind. I- well, okay, so some
0: of it is and some of it isn't. Like, th- I know you mentioned the back page column, but he wrote this profile. Of Marge Shot, the yeah, old yeah. owner of the Reds, that uh-huh. was just like it's probably one of like the ten best pieces of sports writing like ever written.
1: He also wrote a, it's in the Life of Riley his book of compilations, yeah, that's in there, and then he wrote a profile of Brian Gumble, which is remarkable. I love the shot one, um, and he, you know, he's he's in there and he, Marge Shot's like, this is the guy from Sports Sports Central or something, he keeps calling it wrong. No, it's Sports Illustrated, whatever, honey. Yeah. Stuff like that. I remember that one. Um, I do, I I just love old Rick Riley. I, in fact, I keep in my house a tattered copy of The Life of Riley, which was his first published book of columns from Sports Illustrated. And I read it, I read it every week. I I, I read, if I'm just sitting alone, I say, well, I want to read the Daniel Huffman column, or I want to read the, uh, Billy Mischke column, which is a boxer who, um, who knocked out his opponent and died the next day. Rick Riley was it for me growing up. Um, also John Feinstein. Mm-hmm. I, is it Feinstein or Feinstein? I, yeah, I would not say it sure. wrong.
0: I just know he doesn't like me.
1: Does he not? No. So John Feinstein, I read A Good Walk Spoiled, his account of 1993 PGA Tour when I was 14 years old, or mm-hmm. I was 15 years old, and that really, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And that made me want to Do get a you read a sports like, Season
0: on the Brink, too? Or?
1: I have uh, I have never read Season on the Brink. I've read a lot of it. Next Man Up, I've read. I've read the, uh, the majors, the, the open, stuff like that. I've just, so I've just started, uh, since I'm making a little money now I've started really kind of Taking care of my book collection, my sports book collection. I ordered a season on the brink last week. Interesting. And I ordered a hardcover copy for like ninety bucks. Wow. So, so, so you really went up. I it. yeah, I really, I really want to be able to to display that stuff and really enjoy it. The um,
0: so I it's interesting. I did a profile on like the old Washington Post sports section that like Wilbon and Cornheiser and Feinstein and yeah. like Jay Adonde and Anna, Rachel Nichols on and on and on of like famous people came up there. So. At the time, *Season on the Brink* came out, um, he was like outranked in the newspaper by a lot of these people, like Wilbon and Cornizer have Since gone on to make the most successful sports TV show ever, right? And they outranked him, or at least Cornizer did, and maybe Wilbon was close, but maybe slightly—I don't know, whatever. But so then he takes the leave and does *Season on the Brink*, and all of a sudden he's like worth. Yeah multiples more money than all of these people who go on to become really famous and successful uh, were and it like created not like i don't know if resentment is the right word but it's just like an interesting atmosphere
1: so i i started I, th- everything about me wanted to be a sports writer everything about me wanted to be a storyteller but in uh it was about 2014 2015 when i was on the mississippi state beat when somebody approached me and said hey do you want to do a podcast I was like podcast that's the Who the fuck is going to listen to a sports writer talk about talk on the microphone? That's not interesting. Well, I do do it. It catches on. It starts growing and growing and growing. And then that podcast turns into another show offer, which turns into another show offer, which ultimately leads me to Barstool, where I now have two podcasts. So... Uh, and, and podcasting is the it is the Rick Riley column of today. That's what it is. It is.
0: I mean, part of my take, like the amount of people who listen to that, I have no idea. It'd be really interesting to compare that to how many people read like Rick Riley columns in his heyday. I would say but it compares very you, like, favorably. I mean, I bet you more people in the public know who um, Dan and PFT are than knew Rick Riley
1: at his peak but it's interesting to think about. I think it. that's almost assuredly true.
0: How do you, like, self-scout, like, to get better? Do you, like, watch your videos or listen
1: to your shows or whatnot? Really, it's just feel. I never I never watch back or listen back. It, it, it's just feel. Like, there are days where I'm like, I, I don't think I talked enough or when I did talk, it wasn't funny enough. Um, but to be honest, it isn't self-scouting to me. It's being aware of what other people are doing. And when you're around, you know, when... when um, when Horace Grant was around Pippin and Jordan, Horace Grant was at his peak. Now, I'm not Pippin or Jordan at Barstool, but I can be Steve Kerr, I can be Horace Grant, I can be Tony Kukoc, and so I'm around Pippin and Jordan a lot, and Dave and, and Big Cat. So to me, it's it's learning and doing what these guys, learning how they carry themselves. That's how I want to carry myself. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask you that
0: you're dying to talk about right now?
1: Um not really, not really. And we can talk about whatever you'd like. We can talk about. I, I have many interests. I have many things. Um, the one thing I, I do always say in this scenario is uh, it, it's very sappy and cliche. But uh, I was a forty year old nobody in Mississippi with four kids, a mortgage and just trying, trying to make something. And that moment came and I responded. You never know when the moments come. Out. You never know. Just fucking keep, keep going. Keep going. I, I hate being that sad. I, I don't like to say that, no, but, but I feel like I, I, I have how, to. How often
0: do you get stopped on the street now? Once or twice a day.
1: Really? It's, well, this is here's a little different because there's Suleys here. And it's, so a, I mean, a lot. it's a football weekend. And and I'll I tell you, it was especially jarring because at, doing a Mississippi State podcast, I, I, I've i been Mississippi famous for a couple of years, hmm. which is you go to Mississippi State, you go to Starkville, hey, that's some more Cowbell guy. Hey, it's Brandon Walker. Hey, let's take a picture. But... I wasn't anything outside of the state lines. I was nothing. And then I get hired by Barstool, and they brought me in a couple of weeks. They brought me to New York for the first time April 26th, which is a couple of weeks later. And I get off the plane, and I, I take a, an Uber ride into the city, and, and I, I ended up going to the wrong place, so I had to walk a couple of blocks. So I'm walking a couple of blocks to Barstool, and right when I get out of the Uber, guy says, hey, Brandon Walker, Barstool, keep killing it, man. This is in New York City. I've never, I've never even been to New York City, and the first interaction I have is somebody recognizing me on the street. That was that took my breath away.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess after that, it like, this the, the was that like what rank like that and the Cuban experience from today, like, which was more just astonishing to you?
1: It, that one was because this sounds. I don't know if this. I hope this doesn't sound egotistical. No. I hope it doesn't sound. But at this point, like nothing surprises me anymore. Nothing surprises me anymore, because uh, being on the rocket ship with Dave and Big Cat, uh, you never. When you come to the office, you might meet Dr. Phil, you might meet Dave Chappelle, you might meet Shaquille O'Neal, or you might just do something funny that people love that day. Nothing surprises me. So when I walked outside and looked Mark Cuban dead in his eyes and a kid wants to take his picture with me, I'm like, it's just another day in the life of Barstool.
0: Uh, you, you've got really good comedic timing. Like, what have you have you done any like improv classes, or did you just grow up like watching a bunch of comedy, or like how have you developed that? It's fine. We're gonna talk over that. We're gonna talk over it. Okay,
1: so I uh, I I grew up a comedy nut, a comedy fiend, and I, I did love I did love stand up comedy. Um, I, you know, he's passed away now, but I, I grew up listening to Bill Cosby and Eddie Murphy and. Uh, Sinbad had a 1992 special. you like special listen to them editable. on records or I would, CDs, I would, or like... cassette, cassette tapes, yeah. And, uh, and then I'd rent VCRs. Back in the, the day, you rented VCRs and rented VHS tapes. Yeah, that's You rented tricky. VHS tapes. So, uh, yeah, but that's who I would, uh, that's who I would, and I loved, I love funny people. And I I have never trained, I've never done anything like acting or anything like that, so I don't have any Any comedic t- timing I have is natural.
0: Have you ever considered doing stand-up?
1: Yes, but I'm I'm a big... I'm too scared. I don't have the guts to do it. It takes such an iron stomach to do it, and I just don't have it.
0: I do think we could go all day, but I also think that this... Um, whatever yard work that's going on around us could go on all day. So this has been the glass half empty podcast on the big weed. I was really Check enjoying it. Check out Brandon Walker, SiriusXM Everyday Picks show, and then he's on the Yak with Dan Big Cat Cats. Who, he is at Brandon Walker SEC on Twitter. Catch all of his content all over the place. Thank you again, Brandon.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Oops.